Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ or just beginning to explore who Jesus is, we invite you to join us as we dive deep into God's Word and what He has to teach us today. So listen in as we jump into what God has in store. All right. Well, welcome again. Thank you for being here and uh, worshiping with us this morning. I know uh, some of you were here last week and you know that uh, each week one of the things that we're going to do outside of, um, outside of just kind of working through this series uh, called Live in Love and with all the resources and things that we have available uh, is that we, each week we're going to hear from a different uh, staff member and their spouse. And we're going to ask some questions and basically the same three questions that we're going to ask them uh, across the board and just kind of learn from them. And what I love about this is not only is, is it an opportunity to hear from other folks that serve on staff. This is Eric and Rachel Rogis. Eric is uh, the executive pastor at Rolling Hills and Rachel is his wife and she's the executive uh, that runs their home. Uh, and so, uh, but they, um, but, but th- these guys are not, they're not coming with some ethereal high, high brow. I mean, they're both smart, uh, but the but reality is they're, they're going to share things that are real life. They're people just like you, you and I that have been in the trenches and, and, and share life together. And so uh, this is an opportunity for us to learn from and hear from people that, that are living life just like we're living. So uh, that was a long introduction. I apologize for that. But we just want to hear from you guys a couple questions, a couple things. Uh, and they're just hearing these questions for the first time. So hopefully they'll get to, they'll, get to, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll field them for us. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you guys meet? What, what was the, the circumstances there? Miss Rachel, you, you start it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. And uh, we are honored to be here and part of the service and just share a little bit of a window into our lives and our marriage. And uh, yeah, so we met at Judson University. I was a freshman and Eric had graduated from Judson. Mm. Uh-huh. I didn't know that part mm-hmm. of the story. Great old Robert. Yeah. And um, he was in his first year of seminary, but he was also still working at Judson um, part-time on the campus security. So since then, they now hire an outside firm to do campus security. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, yeah. so we did. We met at Judson. And um, yeah, our first couple dates, though, were not um, probably something that I would pick. Um, but you know, we were just starting to get to know each other at that time. Our first date, we went to an Allies concert, which uh, I didn't even really listen to Christian music yet. Um, so it was this rock band and Christian music, and I was like, "Okay, let's go." Yeah, romantic. Very that was romantic. Good. good, yeah. And then our second date, we went on. Um, we went to a comedy club. So. Those are probably my two least favorite things to do, but we did it. A for effort? Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. giving it all she got. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I'm glad that I got to know some of those things. That's, uh, that's awesome. Well, so to, uh, from, from both of you guys, share a little bit about what's your biggest joys in, in marriage and your relationship, but also what are some of the biggest challenges? So, Yeah, I'll start with the joys. I think, um, you know, I... I, I say this in all sincerity that, um, you know, just being married and being married to Rachel is truly uh, a joy. You know, First Corinthians, Paul says that, that marriage is a charismata gift, a gift of grace. It also says that singleness is a gift of grace, by the way. But I truly, we have looked, and now for going on 32 years, mm-hmm. as a, a joy. We, we love to hang out. We love to 
um, just do life together. And then the second thing that would be a joy for us is, um, you know, we, we have just tried to follow the Lord's path as best we can, and we've had ups and downs in that, and one of them was moving down here in 2017, but we left our kids up there, and by God's grace and mercy, they all moved down here. A couple of them go to the campus here, and the joy of our family, we grew up, both of us, in broken homes, and we were committed mm. to raising, um, staying together, and raising our kids in Christian homes. And so now that we've got three godly kids and three godly spouses, and they're raising four grandkids to love Jesus, um, truly, truly uh, awesome. the joy of our hearts. Yeah. All right, so now nitty-gritty, what are the challenges? <laughs> well, to kind of go along with that. I'm sitting um, right here, by the way. Uh -huh. <laughs> he is the challenge, baby. No, 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 not at all. Um, time, I would say time has been, mm. um, in our lives, has always been one of the biggest struggles. Um, when we first got married, um, Eric was working three jobs. I was finishing up my degree, uh, running cross-country, and then um, was then pregnant with our first child very early on in our marriage. Um, and so we were, we were really, really busy at that point in time. Um, and if you don't know Eric, he's a really big planner. Um, and <laughs> one of his favorite things to do is calendar. And when we first got married, I was like, this is horrible. Why are we doing this? Just to look at all of this stuff that we have going on. <laughs> Not my thing. And um, anyway, but as Time went on and we started getting um, kind of into a rhythm of life. Uh, we really realized that we needed to put in the big rocks um, into our mm. calendar first, um, our date nights, our family times, um, church, serving together, things like that, um, because otherwise life would just start to crowd in and just take over our calendar. Mm. And we just didn't like that. And I didn't like that. So calendar has gotten better. Um, yeah, and, I, and I'll tell you, it is really important, you know, if you don't sit down and proactively, purposely do it, then the busyness of life kicks in. And yeah. we didn't for a while. It was a huge challenge. When we don't, it's a challenge. But better than uh, anniversary writing goals for our marriage on napkins? Yeah, we don't do that I, I stopped anymore. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories uh, between you guys. So tell, how, how have you guys um, kept Jesus center in your marriage as you've, as you've grown in 32 years now, three kids, four grandkids? You know, there's a, there's a lot of ways, but for time purposes and just to highlight one, um, I'd really say prayer for us. Um, and prayer has just always been a really, really vital part of our marriage, both individually. Uh, I've got notes all around my desk right now just saying I'm praying for you, and I know that she does, and I pray for her. We pray together, whether it's in the car or walking or just around the house, little things and big things as well. When we moved down here, it was after a huge season of prayer. And even though it was hard to leave our family at the time, we just really sensed together that the Lord was lead us, that Jesus was telling us, this is your calling. So we've done it our entire lives. Our kids used to think that we would say, hey, we're going to go pray together, that it was something different than going to pray together. But we truly were going to pray together. And, um, uh, and we continue that to today. And so that's why I'd say is, the number one thing. Yeah. We, we've tried devotionals. Yeah. I probably have a hundred devotional books of good intentions that we've never really followed through on, but praying together is, is a, a way awesome. that we stay close to yeah. Jesus. That's awesome. Great. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. And you guys give them a round of applause. They said just to be here. I know that's a, that's a big deal. So 
and as we transition, I, I, I do want to make sure you are, are reminded, I know we've said this a couple of times uh, last week and this week, that uh, at the back of the room there's a, a table. Uh, I jokingly called it the love table last week, um, and I, I, I wasn't going to do that again this week. But anyway, uh, it is, uh, it's a spot where you can, there's lots of resources for marriages. Uh, you know, what we said is, you know, when we decided to do this series, one of the things that we said is, you know, we... We really want to make sure that what we say and, and that we give the time and the space to saying, hey, we value relationships at every level, right? Uh, if, if you're single, if you're, if, if you're in the middle of, if you're engaged, if you're dating, or if you're married, married for a little while, married for a long while, maybe your marriage is great and strong, maybe it's struggling, wherever it is, we value relationships and we value marriage. We, we want to say, we want to put, put a stake in the ground and say, we believe that God's design uh, for marriage is beautiful, and, and we want to make sure that, that we do all we can to make sure our marriages within the church are strong. I believe that it's a, it's a great witness. It's a great event, uh, a part of the, our community for our community to hear and know that there's, there's strong marriages there at Rolling Hills uh, and, and their value for, um, for relationships. Our passage that we're going to work through, kind of our, our home base over the next uh, couple of minutes as we worship together, we continue wor working through God's Word together, is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to work through the whole chapter, kind of pulling bits and pieces from that. And, uh, and I, from on your worship guide, i got a couple of things that I just kind of want to point to. As we answer the question this week, how do you grow in love? And, and honestly, again, it, it, there's obviously things that are, that are here that are specific for marriage, but they're for all relationships, no matter where you are. If you're a, a, a kid, how you love your parents, how you love your classmates, how you love your, your, um, your coworkers, there's things that are, that are principles for us from God's word on how we love others. And so I want to start by reading this passage, uh, and then we'll jump into these a couple things. I think there's five kind of things that, that, that kind of help us understand how we grow in love. And so uh, starting in verse 1 of chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels or, or of angels, but have not love, then I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all, all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. For love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Verse 8, love never fails. For where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the completeness comes, what is part will disappear. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put off, put away the childish things, put them behind me. For now, we see a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. 
Now I know in part, then I shall know in full, even as I am fully known. Verse 13, and now these, things, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of them is love. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this morning and for opportunity to worship here together as your body, uh, to be able to, to gather and sing songs that celebrate your goodness and your greatness and your love for us. And as we proclaim your love for us and, and, and our love for you, we know that it is because you loved us first. And so we celebrate that. And God, I pray that this morning as we talk about relationships and marriage, God, we, that God, no matter where we are in, in, in relationships, whether we're a long way from marriage or we're in the midst of it or we've been in marriage for a long time or we're longing for it, that God, you would meet us here by the power of your word in ways that are that could only be explained by your presence showing up and your Holy Spirit moving, that you would open our eyes and open our hearts and our minds and we would see you and we'd hear from you and we'd be transformed by you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen and amen. So as we start, really kind of, the, like I said, there's a handful of things, if you're following along on your worship, got a handful of things that I want to kind of work through that I say, that I think are, are keys that we see in this passage that are, that, that are, help us understand how we grow in, in love? How do we continue to grow in love? And the first one is this, if you follow along, that it begins with recognition. It begins with recognition. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll say just the bulk of where we're going to spend the rest of our time together is going to be right here, and this begins with recognition. Because I think that there's, a hand, there's, there's three specific things that we see in this passage or that we understand from this passage that, that, uh, that helps us kind of understand what it looks like and, and why, how, how beginning with recognition really does propel us into growing in love. And the first thing is this, that, that, it's, that we have to recognize the brokenness of love. And I know that sounds horrible, right? Just that, okay, I grow in love by recognizing that love is broken. But, but hold on to the, this, what, what we're kind of working through, that, 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 that what's here in this passage is a beautiful description of love. But it comes with a painful reality that this is not what many of us experience when it comes to love. Right? We've, we've all gone through those moments where, where our hearts have been broken. Maybe it's by somebody that's in, in, in the relationship, in marriage relationship. Maybe it's by other people that we know. But we've all experienced at some level that brokenness of love. It's happened in our lives. We understand uh, the, the weight and the importance of these 16 sentences that make up chapter 13. We need to understand and sit with the much larger context that these 16 sentences help us understand how this whole letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church. Right, that, that these, these sentences, that, that if you've gone to a wedding in the past 10 years, you've heard them kind of used as a, as a way to talk about marriage. But, but these 16 sentences sit within this whole book, this whole letter that he writes. And, the, and it's, this, this is really not a passage that's about marriage specifically. It's about God's love and how we love as marked by him. And here's the kicker. As, as we talked about, in the past 10 years, you may have gone to a wedding that you've seen these but the Corinthians that Paul's writing to, these are, these are some pretty ridiculous people. Now, I'm not saying that, it's not a, that this passage is not a good passage for marriage, for marriage. I think it is a good passage specifically for the context which it's actually written. Because the Corinthians that he's writing to, they're arrogant. They're prideful, self-centered, blame shifters. They're resistant to change. 
They've considered themselves better than others and before others. And you see how this fits in marriage relationships just as much as it fits for the whole context of why he's writing it. If you're honest, what happens is that, that this, this passage, these 13 verses or these 16 sentences that make up these 13 verses in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, they should sting a little more than they probably do. As you reflect on them and what he's telling us, because, because honestly, as, as I read these and I, and I reflect on what it's telling us, these people and, and the, the, the whole book that he's talking to, they are me. And at the risk of really kind of putting a, putting a block up against uh, us in the next couple of minutes, they are you as well. All of us are these blame shifters, these arrogant, prideful, self-centered, resistant to change who consider ourselves better than others. And so this has, a, has something to tell us that, that as we are, I, I am they and, they and we are they, these, we're no different than the Corinthians that Paul writes to as these arrogant people we, we've experienced and we've also been the part of the reason why people have experienced brokenness, the brokenness of love. At some level, not only have we experienced it from others, but we've been a part of others experiencing this brokenness. And, and it's, it is brokenness because if you kind of go, but the reason why we're here, the reason why we see this brokenness of love and why he writes to the Corinthians is really goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. And what happens in the garden when Adam and Eve in the garden when they sin and they, they begin to, they, they, they rebel against God and say, I, what I want is more important than what you want. And every single day and every individual from that time on has experienced this brokenness of love because of what happened there in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. In reality, the very reason why Paul has to write this is because of what happens in Genesis chapter 3. And, 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 and so there's this brokenness that we, that we have to realize that as, as we read these words from, from, from Paul, that this is what love is, he's encouraging us. He's, he's kind of challenging the Corinthians and challenging us, but it's coming from this pastoral appeal that really is pretty tough. He's saying that, that this, is, this is what love is supposed to look like because it's not what it looks like for you guys right now. The second thing that's there for us is we have to recognize the priority of love. It's not only, it's not only that the brokenness, but the priority of love. And really what I mean is that it's, it's important, right? It's in the first position for us as, as believers, as, as those who follow Christ, that we love others. That's what he's called us to do, to love him and to love others, that to love God and to love people is the is, is first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it is what Jesus says, the priority of love. But listen carefully to the words that he says. If I speak in the tongues of men and, or angels and don't have love, then I am a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and, and can fathom mysteries and have and all the knowledge and have faith that moves mountains, but I don't have love, then I am nothing. He says, if I possess, if I give all my possessions to the poor and, and, and give my body to hardship so that I can boast, but I don't have love, then I gain nothing. Over and over again, this priority, the position of love is as priority, as important. What happens without love is that we're a noisy gong, an annoying person that, that, that fills others with pain. Right? That we're not only that, that we're, that we're nothing, that, that, that without love, even though I may have lots of other things that I can hold up as awesome, without love, I am nothing. 
I gain nothing. If I do all of these things and, and say that they're for the Lord, I gain nothing without love. The importance of love, the priority of love. It sounds important because it is important. We can't, we can't move on any farther than, than recognizing not only do we experience the brokenness of love, but the position of love is priority in our lives. That we love God is what he's commanded us to, and we love others as that first priority. The third thing inside of this that we have to, to recognize is the proportion and the position of love. And I say this, that, that the proportion is this, that, that God has loved us much, that he has lavished his love on us, and that he loved us first. Remember what it says in, in, in John chapter 15, Jesus has, says this, that greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for, his, for one's friends. But what Christ did is he laid down his life for enemies, those who are running away from him. Romans, Paul writes, but, but, he, but God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That we know that God loved us, that when we were, that he loved us when we were not, when we, when we were not running after him. He didn't love us because we were lovable. He loved us despite the fact that we were unlovable. When we were running away from him, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He laid down his life for us. When, how, when people ask me, how do I know that God loves me? I can say very clearly, because of the cross of Jesus Christ. I know that he loves me because no love, no greater love has ever been demonstrated on the face of the earth than this, that God himself would come to earth in the form of a human and lay down his life for us, that we have been loved much. The, the, the proportion of love, there's no greater love that you can experience. Nobody on earth is gonna love you as much as God has loved you. And it's clear because of the cross of Christ and the position of love that he loved you first. That we love, our response to love is because God has loved us first. We don't come to him with love and, add, and beg him as, as you look across history and across culture as other, other religions, they beg God, they beg their gods to love them with their sacrifices and, their, and all of their, their pleading with God to their gods to love them. What, what scripture tells us is God loved us first when we were undeserving. So the recognition that God, that that there's this, the brokenness of love, the priority of love, that it's important in the position and, 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 the, and the place of love and the portion of love that God has poured out his love and lavished it on us is what we have to begin because it's the basis, the foundation that we move forward. It, it, it helps sustain us as we move on to the other elements that we have here. And so the, the second element that, that's there as we continue to grow in love, it's first, it, it happens with a recognition Right, Be reminding ourselves, recognition. The second thing is that it, can, it, it needs constant attention. To grow in love, for us to grow in love, there needs to be constant attention to that love relationship. Uh, maybe take a look at this, this plant. Some of you plant moms here are like, that's super cute. I'd love to add that to my plant uh, family. You're ready to cut a stem. What's that called? You cut a stem off, you put in some water and it grows. What's that called? Somebody know? Propagating, that's the word there. I couldn't find it the other day. Uh, the, the, so there you go. All you plant moms, you are like, yes, give me some. Let me show you what happens to this plant, though. If you added this to your home, this is the plant that keeps on giving. 
This is, this is called kutzu, and it's the plant that uh, is, is, it, it's said that it, it swallowed the south. And this is what happens when you don't give attention that's needed. Right? This is the kind of, if we say, sometimes we say that, that healthy things grow. Yes, healthy kutzu grows and chokes out all the other things is what it does. So things that, that there, there are healthy things do grow and, and, and we, need that, we need healthy things to grow. But there's also times when we don't give attention that what can happen is that other things can swallow up that healthy stuff that really needs to grow. And so we have to give attention to the things, to what God has called us to in this, in love relationships, especially in our marriage, to, to love each other. We have to have that attention. And, and, and guys, we grow in the kind of, the, when, when these kind of things happen, when, when love grows, it's because we've given the kind of attention that we need. And, that, you know, the practical side of things and some of the things that, that, that what Eric and, and Rachel said is that those big rocks, and I love that they said the big rocks because automatically what I, sadly, what I thought when she said big rocks, what I was thinking she was talking about is work. And all of those big things. But what she said is so perfect because it sets the priority. The big rocks were family time and church and times of worship. That if we don't take care of those big rocks and when our calendaring, what happens is kudzu comes and chokes those things out, doesn't it? Because something's going to grow in that spot. And so we have to put those things that are, that are reality, that are the most important, that those date nights and daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, how are you investing in that relationship that you have with your spouse? And I, I'll be honest, like up front right here, it's something that I've seen Eric as my, as my friend and pastor and boss. I've seen him do this well and, and, and seen others of you do really well and, and, and kind of prioritizing. And, but I've lost some track of this in the busyness of our lives in the weekly spending time, in the monthly having just more time that we get to spend yearly going away for a little bit of time with just Rebecca and I, I've, I've lost track of some of these things. And what grows if we don't take it, take, pay attention to it and, 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 and make sure that our, our relationship is, is growing, then, then quickly other things grow in that spot. So practically, how are you spending time daily with your spouse? Spending time weekly in those, those, even if it's just a, you get away for just a little while from the kids, after they go to bed, you watch a movie or pop some popcorn and hang out, that you're weekly spending some time and, and, and investing in that relationship. Monthly, maybe that's your, your real going out together. Maybe yearly you've planned some kind of outing for just you two. And listen, I know some of you are like, we don't have the money for that. It doesn't have to be expensive because I tell you what, and I, and I don't mean to say this in, in crass, I promise that divorce is far more expensive than a date night. That a week away is far more expensive or is, is far less expensive than losing that relationship. And I, that, that may be overboard, but, but maybe just that shock to remind us that this is really, really important. The practical side of things, but not only paying attention to those things, those practical things, but paying attention to their heart. What's growing? What's going on in life? What's crowding in? How can you pray for them? Praying attention to your own heart. What's growing? What's, what's crowding in the, and suffocating the life that needs to be there? That You need to prune away some of these things so that life can truly grow. And, and one of the things that I, I, I admit, the first couple of times that I read this passage as, as, a, as a married man, I read this thinking about Rebecca, not thinking about myself, 
am I patient? Am I kind? But thinking, and listen, she's not in here for this service, so I can say it this way, right? I'll change it for the second one. She's not very patient. She's not very kind. That's not how we read this passage. Really, we read this passage saying, am I patient? Maybe you're more godly than I am and you, you didn't read it that way, but that's the way that a lot of us read this passage. Thinking about the spouse, thinking about our friends. Gary Chapman, uh, Sacred Marriage, he write, wrote a book called Sacred Marriage. He, he lists out these things. And he says that we just, that we asking ourselves these questions, that love is patient. Are you patient with your spouse? That love is kind what have, what have we done to show that kindness to our spouse, spouse lately? What, what love is not jealous. It doesn't resent when the spouse gets more consideration for, from you than you get from them because that's jealousy. Love does not brag. It's not arrogant. How many times do mentally you think that you're better than your spouse? Now, I know you're not going to say that out loud, right? But how many times in your mind have you thought, I'm, I'm doing a much better job than she or he is? Love doesn't dishonor the other, which essentially means that it's not rude. But how often do we respond with sarcastic words and attitudes? And this gets in my backyard way too quick. How often do we forget to be thankful or just, or, or just pretend, that, that, pretend to listen when our spouse is talking? That's dishonoring to them. It doesn't seek its own. We, we need to be careful. And again, this comes from some other places that may hurt a little bit. We need to be careful that we demand that our spouse loves us in our love language or respects us the way that we're meant to be respected. It doesn't seek our own first, but it seeks theirs. It isn't provoked. It isn't easily irritated. It, it doesn't take account for the wrong. We don't keep track and routinely give grace or give judgment over grace or, or press down by disappointment when we keep track of their wrongs. Again, in my backyard, it, it, doesn't, it does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but in righteousness and truth. We have to pay attention to how to our relationships and how we respond to the, what we see in this passage. It requires ongoing attention to make sure that these relation, our relationship is growing. And when it comes to those things, it kind of falls from that as we evaluate our own hearts rather than looking at their hearts and trying to evaluate theirs for them. Well, let's let the Holy Spirit do that work in them as he does his work in us. What follows off more often is that it requires or it, comes, it calls for confession. That in the, the process of us looking through those things and, and, and hey, have I dishonored my, my spouse? Have I, have I spoken to them? Have I sought my own over there, seeking their own? Have I, have I kept account for wrong and, and been judgmental or, 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 or pressing the pressing weight of disappointment when I say, when I, when I keep that record of wrong? What comes after that is maybe I just need to spend some time confessing. You know, what, what happens, I, I used to think that I was, man, I, I, had, I had licked my temper. Right, and the two things that I had stopped, I, as I got into college, I stopped playing golf, and that was like the thing that was really where my temper really sh shot up. It was like, I'm done with that, and now I'm the godliest dude ever. I don't have a temper anymore, and then I got married. <laughs> when we dated, I didn't have a temper. She was like, what is happening to you all of the sudden? Right, but, uh, but in, these, in, this, in, in those relationships, relationships are also... All, 
often that crucible, that place where God burns away some of those things that, man, that we, we didn't even know were a part of how we live. We didn't even know that we judged the way that we judge or that we sought or we were selfish the way that we were selfish. But relationships become that place, that proving ground where God challenges us, encourages us. Ed Welch, who's a pastor and a, and a counselor, says this, and he says that people have asked me and I've, I've asked lots of people, what it, what's the one thing that you would do? And he said, I've tried all those things and this is what I recommend today, that you confess your own sin before God every day and watch what happens. That you confess your sin before God every day and watch what happens. As you evaluate your own heart, as we, as we pay attention to what our heart is doing in response to that, we confess our sins before him. Watch what happens in our marriage relationship. Daily confessing our need for Christ and, and, how, and, and loving others, confessing that, that often I look for in Rebecca what God, has, what God has only provided for me in himself. Confessing that I'm, do, I'm looking for it in the wrong way, confessing those grudges that I've, that I've held or withheld compassion, that I've been unforgiving, that I've been unkind, that I've been uninvolved, confessing my own faults and confessing that I see others' faults more quickly than I see my own. That we confess, that not only that we confess, but, when we, but in that confession and recognizing that, that, we, that the, set, the, the third thing or fourth thing is that it involves submission. It's submission to Christ and his word and his instruction. It's submission is obedience to him, submission to Christ and his word and his instruction, but also submission to one another. In humble service. Listen, if confessing your sin and going all in and being a servant to your spouse and to those that God's put around you, watch what happens in those relationships. And lastly, it's marked by commitment. The closing of the passage says it bears all things, it hopes all things, it believes all things, and it endures, right? Love bears not just some of the things that it can handle, but all things, all of our spouse's faults. It believes all things because listen, one of the things that happens in our marriage relationships is we stop believing that the other can ever change. We stop hoping that there's something better and things begin to fall apart. But there's a commitment to love, to, to, to hope and to bear and to believe and to endure. One of the challenges that I, that I want to, as we kind of transition this morning, one challenge that I want to make for us is over the next four weeks, next three weeks as we wrap this up, what would it look like if you went all in? What would it look like in your marriage relationship if you went all in? If you said, listen, there's some things that I've held back, some, some, maybe some hurts that you have. What, if it, what would it look like if you said, I'm going to forgive those things that you're holding on to that maybe they don't even know that you're holding on to? What would it look like for you to go all in and love them the way that Christ has called us to love? How would it change to confess, to pay attention to recognize where we are and the love that Christ has poured out on us, lavished on us, to go all in on that relationship that he's provided for us that, that is so important for us 
and who we are and growing in our relationship, not only with them, but with Christ and, and others. We're going to bow your head and pray this morning, and we're going to sing just a song of response together. And this, as we sing, I just want to invite you just to, you know, let this be a time that you, that you reflect. Maybe, maybe you're singing, maybe you're just quiet and, you're, and you think, okay, God, what would it look like for me to go all in? Maybe there's a commitment for you to say, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to make this commitment. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm going to make the commitment. I'm going to go all in. Maybe I've held back a little bit. Maybe there's something that's hurt and I need to forgive. Maybe I need to ask for forgiveness. And I just don't want to admit that I'm wrong. What would it look like? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in this room right now. And we're excited God, to see what would happen in our relationships, not just our marriage relationships. God, we pray blessings on those. But what would happen in our, in our relationships with our kids? What would happen for kids in their relationships with their parents and our relationships with our, with our coworkers and, our, and our, our neighbors, all of those places? God, what would it look like for us to go all in and love the way that you have loved? You said that you loved us, first and greatest commandment, that we love you. You loved us first. Second is like it, that we would love others. But let's start in our homes, Father, for husbands and wives, just to go all in. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you want to learn more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.